So I went home, I just got my driver's license, and got a full-size roadkill deer carcass, stuck that in the trunk <laughs> of my car, took it home, dumped it in the front yard to see how many turkey vultures I could attract. And sure enough, there were like 40 of them sitting on the roof of our house the next morning, and they stayed around all week, and it, it was the greatest bird feeder I've ever made in my life. This time of year, while many birds are migrating away from Wisconsin, we still thankfully get little bouts of color thanks to those feathery friends that stick around with us. And Noah Stryker is joining us with National Geographic's Birding Basics with some simple ways that you can get in on the hobby, tips, tools, and techniques for great bird watching. Uh, Noah, can we start off? What was your spark bird? What was the bird that brought you in to bird watching? Well, for a birder, a spark bird is the one that you see often sort of unexpectedly that just grabs you in a way that you hadn't been grabbed by a bird before, <laughs> metaphorically speaking, <laughs> and uh, turns you on and you become a birder for the rest of your life, whether you like it or not. And I think for me, I got into birds sort of gradually when a fifth grade teacher put a bird feeder on our classroom window and we would try to identify every new bird that showed up. So we had some great birds, evening grosbeaks and American goldfinches and black-capped chickadees and red-breasted nuthatches coming right up to the window that year. And then it was sort of a slippery slope from there. I would say if I had a one spark bird that sparked my interest, particularly in bird behavior, it would probably be, of all birds in the world, the turkey vulture. Mm. Mostly because when I was in high school, I saw an episode of a David Attenborough TV series called Life of Birds, and it, there's an episode where Attenborough goes out into a rainforest with a smelly old piece of meat and attracts turkey vultures using it, and I just thought that was the coolest bird-feeding idea ever. So I went home, I just got my driver's license, and got a full-size roadkill deer carcass, stuck that in the trunk <laughs> of my car, took it home, dumped it in the front yard to see how many turkey vultures I could attract, and sure enough, there were like 40 of them sitting on the roof of our house the next morning, and they stayed around all week, and it, it was the greatest bird feeder I've ever made in my life. <laughs> I, would, I would credit the turkey vulture probably as much as anything as my spark bird. <laughs> oh, that's, um, I, I, I hope you didn't have neighbors at that time. Uh, yeah, they're just enough, far enough away that um, they didn't complain too much. <laughs> Well, Noah, the, the world of birding has become much more democratized because it's a lot easier now for somebody with no birding knowledge whatsoever to get in the game when you have apps that can identify bird calls and different bird identification apps. Do you, do you see that the inclusion of iPhone and some of these apps, does that make it easier for people or does that take away from the purpose of being out and enjoying nature? Oh, no, totally. I think that uh, the digital availability of information about birds has just brought it to so many more people in ways that it was never possible before. So it's hard to even define who is a birder anymore, especially with, you know, traditional stereotypes, because just anybody can get interested. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. Birds exist everywhere. You just got to walk out your front door and you can notice them if you're on the lookout. So I think that's pretty cool and inspiring that so many people are becoming birders, especially over these past couple of years in the course of the pandemic and the shutdowns. Like the one thing that wasn't shut down was nature. So, so many people have been venturing out and experiencing and getting hooked on birds for the first time. And now there is this whole new crop of birders 
specifically because of the pandemic is this big positive thing that's come out of it. So I think that's actually something that's really cool. And um, there's lots of people who are paying attention to birds now. Noah Stricker, the author behind Birding Basics, Tips, Tools, and Techniques for Great Bird Watching. Now, Noah, if anyone was starting off bird watching for the first time, obviously picking up this book would be essential. But what other sort of tips would you give somebody uh, starting out for the first time? Well, the great thing about birding is you don't really need a lot of gear to get going. Technically, you don't need anything. You just step out your front door and see what birds you can find. But two things will help. Uh, field guide that covers the species of birds that are found in your area or region comprehensively, so not just like the most common ones, and a pair of binoculars, and not like a dusty old antique pair of binoculars that's been hanging out in someone's attic for the last 50 years, but like a modern (coughs) pair of binoculars. Technology has gotten pretty good now, so you should take advantage of that. And they're not that expensive. Maybe a couple hundred dollars would get you a really nice pair of binoculars for birding. With a field guide and binox, you can go outside and bird your brains out and just go at it. It doesn't really require too much more than that. Noah, you have a section in your book about, uh, because this is bound to happen. There's so many different types of birds, so many variations. When we make a mistake on identifying a bird, and uh, I love how open you are about your um, experiences maybe misidentifying a fake crane or a decoy duck as a real real bird, but that's bound to happen in the natural world. Oh, yeah. I think the only difference between an expert birder and someone who's just getting started is the expert has had a chance to misidentify many more birds <laughs> and learn from their mistakes along the way. And as long as you're honest about that and, and just try to uh, learn and, and identify birds continuously all the time, then you constantly absorb new information. And, and that's part of the fun and the challenge of it. Birding is not just identifying and putting names to birds, of course, but also interpreting their behavior and figuring out all their other characteristics. It's just like meeting people for the first time. When you meet a new person, the first thing you learn is their name. But then you don't really consider that you know that person until you learn a whole bunch of other things about them. And I think the same thing is true in many ways for birds. And and you mentioned that uh, people getting together, what sort of community have you been a part of, uh, Noah? Like, do you do you have uh, birding groups that you guys go out together and maybe identify new species? Oh, yeah, there's bird clubs on all levels of formality. Um, there are ways of connecting with other birders online now, too. There's a website called eBird, which is also an app that you can download for your phone that um, helps you keep track of your sightings, and that's all connected to one big database that anyone can access. Right now we're in the middle of Christmas bird count season, The Christmas Bird Count is an annual event organized by Audubon groups all over the U.S. and Canada and beyond. There are counts in most major cities all over the U.S. and in other places as well, and each one takes place on a certain day that is scheduled sometime between December 15th and January 5th. Each Christmas Bird Count is within a circle that is 15 miles wide, and birders will fan out within that circle for a whole day, try to find as many birds as they can and keep track of them and their numbers, and then come together at the end of the day at a potluck or a countdown dinner of some kind and swap stories and then 
add the totals up, and then that goes into a big database that stretches back now more than 100 years. So it's a great, fun social event in the depths of winter that gets you outside looking at birds and at the same time adds to our scientific understanding of their populations as well. Well, there's so much that uh, one can discover, and uh, sometimes you just need a little hobby that uh, changes your paradigm just a little bit. And you include some great, I've never seen a photo of a yellow cardinal, and yet somehow I'm not surprised National Geographic has included one. But what is what is one of the rarest birds you've ever seen, Noah, bird watching? There are rare birds on all different levels. There are birds that appear outside of their usual range that are very surprising because you don't expect to see them there. And then there are legitimately, like, globally rare birds that are not common anywhere. I got to see in Papua New Guinea on another island to the northeast of it several years ago a bird called a golden masked owl, which is kind of like a barn owl, but it's endemic to this one island. And it had never been seen alive in the past 30 years until 2015 when we saw one and it was like this bird had been considered to be possibly extinct even and so you never know you could even rediscover a bird that hasn't been seen in decades (laughs) noah stricker the author of birding basics tips tools and techniques for great bird watching uh noah anything else you want to include about birding you mentioned that great free app ebird which is great for starting out uh this book of course another great resource where can people find you online Oh, I'm pretty easy to find online. I've got a website, and I contribute to eBird as well. You can find some of my photos there. Um, Another great app that people can download is called Merlin, M-E-R-L-I-N. I'm not really affiliated with Merlin. It's just a great app to use. It's totally free, produced by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, and it has bird info in it, but it also actively helps you identify birds. So Merlin can identify a photo with great accuracy. It can also identify bird sounds in the field in real time. You can hold your phone up in the air and it will tell you what bird is making a noise nearby or at least take a pretty good guess at it. (laughs) So Merlin is another one to put on your radar. And then if you just want to get into it in your backyard at home, put up some bird feeders, put out a bird bath or a bird house and see what shows up. It's as simple as that. Or even a deer carcass. You never know. (laughs) Or, if you want to attract a turkey vulture, I can recommend a nice, ripe deer carcass on a hot August afternoon. (laughs) Oh, man, I am just, I'm waiting. I'm so excited for summer now. Well, Noah uh, Stricker, thank you so much. Have a a great week, and hopefully you have a magnificent Christmas as well. Of course, yeah. Happy birding to you, too. Noah Stricker, author of Birding Basics, Tips, Tools, and Techniques for Great Bird Watching Courtesy of National Geographic. This interview was recorded originally December 19th of 2022.